chapter 11. If you'll take your copy of God's Word and turn to John chapter 11. If you're new to Bible study, uh, first of all, there are Bibles in the chairs underneath you or around you. Feel free to take one of those and use it. If you don't have your own copy of God's Word, literally feel free to take one of those with you. We're going to be in John chapter 11. John is the fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you had Acts or Romans, you've gone a little bit too far. But John chapter 11. Um, realized based on the first service that I have a lot of material to cover in a not so great amount of time and so I'm going to talk really fast because you're going to need to listen quick. So well, we're going to get we're going to cover this and I think it's going to be a powerful time together in God's word this morning. Um, I'm not going to go through the normal list of announcements because we need to dive into God's word but I just want to encourage you encourage you to read your handout see what's in there. The one thing I do want to emphasize though if you are a parent of a high schooler please prayerfully consider sending your student to camp. We have a limited number of spots, uh, but camp, summer camp is one of those times where our students bond, they come together, and God is doing something incredible in our student ministry right now. And, and anything we can do to come alongside God as he is at work in the lives of our students, in particular our high schoolers, uh, would be beneficial. So just prayerfully consider that if you don't mind. All right, John chapter 11. Uh, we're going to look at the whole chapter, but we're going to read together starting in verse 38. So if you are physically able, I would invite you to join us as we stand in the honor of the reading of God's word. John chapter 11, starting with verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, there is already a stench because he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this, so that they may believe you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, bound, hand and foot with linen strips, with his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unwrap him, let him go. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, my rock and my redeemer. Father, may I decrease so that you might increase, and may we conclude our time today more like you than when we started, because we have been in your presence, we have heard your voice, and we have been changed by your word. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I was telling Jamin, that's another one of those phrases that I say each week that I'm always afraid I'm going to say the wrong way. I'm always afraid that I'm going to pray, may I increase that you might decrease. <laughs> and then a bolt of lightning would come and you would be, you know, and you would probably just go home. I don't know. Hey, with trivia right, right around the corner, we don't have any tables left. Uh, we have rooms if you want, if you or your business wants to sponsor around. But with trivia night right around the corner, I thought we'd begin this morning with a pop quiz. So I'm going to give you 60 seconds to work with those around you. And here's what you're going to do. We are on sign number seven. And without looking in your Bibles, I want you to come up with the first six in order that we've talked about over the last six weeks. You can work with those around you. You have 60 seconds, and that begins now. Go.
All right. Here we go. All right. So it's sort of interesting because uh, I, I can't hear specific conversations, but one that kind of stood out was, okay, first it was gnats and then it was flies. And I'm like, that's a wrong list. <laughs> wrong book, wrong list. We'll get there another day. All right. Number one. Number one was water into wine. Number two, it was the official's son. It was the healing of the official's son. Number three, it's the paralytic by the pool. Number four, it was the feeding of the 5,000. Number, number, what were we? number five, walking on water. And number six, it was the healing of the man born blind. You are ready for Saturday night. That's all I got to say. You think you are ready for Saturday night. Number seven is raising Lazarus from the dead. And so here we go. Buckle up. Now a man was sick. We're in verse one. We're starting at the beginning of verse of chapter 11. Now a man was sick. Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Uh, John is going to include this story in chapter 12. We will get there uh, at some point else in our journey through John's gospel. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother Lazarus who who was sick. So the sisters sent a message to him. Lord, the one you love is sick. So where is Jesus that the sisters would have had to send him this message? At the conclusion of chapter 10, he has been teaching in Jerusalem. Specifically, he has been in an an area of the temple called Solomon's Colonnade. And uh, at the end of that, well, when he's teaching, he's having very specific and pointed conversations about his relationship with God. Not only is he talking about his relationship with God, he's talking about God being the Father, him being the Son. And at the end of, toward the end of chapter 10 and verse 30, he actually says, I and the Father are one. And this is an act of blasphemy, according to the religious leaders. Uh, blasphemy is the act of speaking sacrilegiously or disrespectfully against God. And this is an act uh, of, of blasphemy that is punishable by stoning, and that's exactly what they do. So toward the end of chapter 10, after Jesus has been teaching, after Jesus has been talking, they are once again ready to stone Jesus. But verse 31 tells us they picked up the rocks to stone him, but 39 says he eluded their grasp. And in verse 40, it says that Jesus departed to where John the Baptist had been baptizing earlier. It was a place called uh, Bethabara, and it is about 20 miles from Bethany where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are. That's important to understand that it's 20 miles. Here's Bethany. Here's Bethabara. There's 20 miles in between. It's important to note the distance because that is a full day's journey on foot. It's going to be important to the story later on to understand that here's, here's Jesus and Bethabara, 20 miles from where he is wanted and needed in Bethany where Lazarus is sick. Now a man was sick, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume, wiped his feet with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sister sent a message to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, the sickness, this sickness will not end in death, but it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. This sickness will not end in death, but it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. There's two things I want to highlight for us while we're here. 
First of all, it's the main goal. Jesus' main goal is always Jesus' main goal. The main goal for Jesus is, was, is, and always will be the glory and the renown of the Father. God's glory is always going to be first, foremost, and the sole priority of who Jesus is and what Jesus does in and through our lives. And he says it right here, the glory of God. Folks, that is why you and I and all of creation exist. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the works of his hand. Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 says, Our Lord and God, you are worthy of praise. You are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and by your will they exist and they are created. The glory of God is the, is the priority of our existence. Secondly, notice what Jesus specifically says this sickness will not end in death. He does not say that Lazarus isn't going to die, only that death is not going to be the ultimate result. How does he know it's not going to be the ultimate result? Because the ultimate result is still the main goal, and the main goal is God's glory. Lazarus may die, but death will not have the final word. God's glory will have the final word period, end of sentence, exclamation point, however you need to emphasize that. Now, Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. Do not gloss over that. Jesus loved them. Jesus loves us. This does imply that there is an intimate relationship between Jesus and this family. There is a, there's a relationship beyond past strangers passing in the night. There's, a, there's an intimate relationship beyond uh, just a casual hello. There is a friendship here. There is a relationship here between Jesus and this family. And while the following words have not been penned quite yet because Jesus is the author of Scripture along with his Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit, I wonder if he had on his heart and on his mind what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, where Paul said, I am, not, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor power nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, his son. As, as Jesus gets this message about Lazarus being sick, and he says he loved them, and he loves them, and death, neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, none of this can separate them from his love because that is not just a part of his character, it is who he is. Jesus is God and God is love, thanks to 1 John. And so we understand that Jesus is also love. That's, this is a pouring out, an overflow of who he is. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. What? Jesus loved these people, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed right where he was. Huh? He loved them, but he stayed where he was, and he stayed there two more days. Then he said, after the two days, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea. And the disciples are like, huh? Because... In Judea, Jerusalem is where we just were at the end of chapter 10. That ended with this group of religious leaders deciding to stone him. And Jesus is looking at them and going, hey, I now realize it's only been two days. Let's go back. And the disciples look at him and say, Rabbi, um, 
the Jews just tried to stone you and you're going to go there again. And Jesus repeats a familiar phrase that we heard a week or so ago and that we're going to look at again in the next few weeks. Jesus says, verse 9, aren't there 12 hours in a day, he answered. If anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if someone walks during the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him. Jesus is not talking about the light provided by the sun, the light provided by daylight. Remember, Jesus declared in chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus declared one of those I am statements. He said, I am the light of the world. What does light do? Among other things, light pierces the darkness. Light reveals, light guides. It also gives life and it makes things grow. Photosynthesis is the process of converting light energy into chemical energy. And Jesus said in in the very beginning of John's gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and not one thing that was created was created. Apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. When Jesus came into the world, Jesus was both life and Jesus was light. And when Jesus came into the world, he pierced the darkness. Jesus is not talking here about sun and daylight. He is talking about himself being the light of the world and the dark, the spiritual darkness that is this world. Jesus came to not only pierce, but to completely overcome. I am the light of the world. So let me shed a little bit of it on this situation. What he's talking about is less to do with the rotation of the earth on his axis and everything to do with a life that's going to be lived in the midst of spiritual darkness. He said this and then he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. And the disciples were like, "Um, Jesus, if he's asleep, maybe all he needed was a really good nap. Maybe maybe we don't need to disturb him. Maybe he just needs a little R&R. Anybody got somebody in their life that you would rather uh, fall into a pit of alligators rather than wake them up? (laughs) Not me. I ain't afraid of nobody in my house. like if he's just asleep then let's let him let's let him do that and not wake him up because you know he'll be fine but Jesus was talking about his death matter of fact he's got to go he's got to spell it out for these guys so in verse 14 he says Lazarus has died just just so y'all know what we're talking about here and then he says something very peculiar he says I'm really glad for you that I wasn't there so that you can believe I'm really glad that we weren't there because I'm ready for you to believe. Keep in mind, from their perspective, they've been along this journey. They've seen the first six and more. And Jesus is saying, but I'm glad you weren't. I'm glad we weren't there. I'm glad we didn't see all that happen because we're, we're we're, you're going to get to see something incredible. What you're about to witness, what you're about to experience is going to be the most powerful testimony to date of everything I've said, of everything I've taught, of everything that you've seen about who I am, about whose I am, about our relationship and what that authority means on this side of life. I am the light of the world and I'm going to pierce the spiritual darkness that's surrounding us. And I'm glad for your sake that you get to be a part of it. I don't know what you're going through. 
through right now. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you're going through. I'm not a prophet, and I can't see into the future to understand that what you're going to go through. But I can tell you this. Whatever you are going to go through, there's probably going to be a moment in time where you're like, God, can't you just do this? God, why can't you just do this? And it's, it's, it's that same moment of, I'm glad we weren't there because I want you to be a part of the journey. There's something in the journey that's going to draw you closer to him if you will just let it. And then Thomas said to his fellow disciples, let's go too so that we might die with him. (laughs) Thank you, Eeyore. (laughs) Truth is, Thomas is just being kind of realistic. This is what they just left. They've not forgotten. So, But notice what Thomas says. All right, guys, it's probably going to end in our deaths. But that's our Lord. So let's go. A little nugget there. I was free. So off we go. Verse 17. When Jesus arrived, he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. All right, here it is. Here, here's, you can't miss this. He'd already been in the tomb four days. All right, day one. Day one, the messenger arrives and tells Jesus that Lazarus is sick. This is, this is more than likely the same day that he dies. Uh, we get that from, from this timing. So they tell him Lazarus dies. That's day one. Day two, Jesus stays where he is on purpose. Okay? So he gets the message. He loves him. So he stays where he is. Day one, day two. Day three, Jesus looks at the disciples and says, okay, we're going to go to Judea. Remember how far that was? That was 20 miles. It's a full day. So they begin to go. They begin their journey. Day four is probably when Jesus arrived in Bethany, probably later on in the evening. It's going to be very important. We'll see why in just a minute. Verse 20. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Now, don't hear any sarcasm, any sassiness, or any disrespect. She's just laying it out there. She firmly believes that had Jesus been in the building, uh, at the moment that Lazarus passed from life to death, that Jesus could have, could have, would have done something about it. She just firmly believes it. She's not being disrespectful. She's not being snarky. She's just Satan like it is. Yet, even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus looks at her and says, your brother will rise again. And she looks at Jesus and she says, I know my brother will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. What what she's talking about is a belief. Uh, There are two belief systems that are going on here in the religious leadership. There are the Pharisees and there are the Sadducees. And there is a belief largely held by the Pharisees that there is going to be an actual, literal, physical resurrection from death to life. The Sadducees did not believe. They They did not believe in an afterlife. They did not believe in a resurrection. They believed that this is all there was. They believed that there was nothing else to look forward to. That is why they were sad. You see? It failed in the first service too. It's okay. What? (laughs) So they believe... She holds this belief that has been taught by the religious leaders that there is a physical resurrection. So she believes that's going to happen. And then Jesus makes another one of his I am statements that we are going to, to re, we're going to get back to in the next weeks. And let me say this. We, we, all our journey through John is going to be in, in groups of seven. I had to count my fingers. Um, 
we've been going seven weeks through these signs. We are getting ready to start next week with the, with the seven I am statements that John's gospel captures. Let me encourage you. Let me ask you. Let me urge you. Let me implore you. If you know somebody who does not have a relationship with Jesus, if there is a chair near you that is not filled, if you know somebody who could get to the 9 o'clock service or the 1045 service, every service, every, every message, as Zach and Tony and I pray and prepare and go through the I am statements while it is one one journey all together and they will build on one another each each message will stand alone as Jesus declares who he is as the son of God as the Messiah as the savior of the world he will say I am I am and I can promise you as we read scripture as we preach scripture as we proclaim the truth of scripture people will not walk away the same as they walked in Please look at this army in our midst. Let's go out and let's love on and reach our community. Invite someone to come hear God's word as we look at John's gospel and the I am statements. But Jesus says this in verse 25. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who believes in me will never die. Notice what Jesus says, but also notice what Jesus does not say. Jesus does not say, I can resurrect. Jesus does not say, I can give life. He has already demonstrated that to the disciples. In Mark chapter 5, he, they saw him raise Jairus' daughter. In Luke chapter 7, they see Jesus raise the widow's son in the town of Nain. But Jesus is not saying here that I can bring resurrection. Jesus is looking at them and saying, I am the resurrection. Jesus is not looking at the sisters and saying, I can give him life. He is looking at the sisters and he's saying, I am life. Mary comes out and makes a very similar point that her sister Martha did. Jesus, if you'd just been here, something would be different. But here's why Jesus did what he did when we look at days one through four. There was a Jewish belief, a, a very fictitious, false narrative, but Jewish uh, Jewish uh, 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 literature, third century Jewish literature talks about this belief, this understanding, this urban legend that they had that the, the soul of a dead body would linger near the body for three days in hopes of re-entering it. I'd freak out. But what would happen is on day four, day four is when rotten decay would begin to set in and the spirit would depart from the body because all hope had been lost. So they believed, urban legend, fictitious, false teaching, not true at all, but they believed, because it was a superstition of the day, that at least for three days the soul was lingering near with the hopes to re-enter. But on day four, because decay had set in, all hope was lost. So day one, day two, day three, now we're at day four. And all hope is lost. Lazarus isn't just dead, Lazarus is dead, dead. Like, he's super dead. He's dead and gone. And Jesus weeps. John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. And he grieves. And he loves this family and he hurts alongside them. Then he goes to the tomb to do what he came to do. Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and there was a stone lying against it. Verse 39. Remove the stone. In chapter 2, fill the jars. Chapter 4, go about your business. Chapter 5, pick up your mat and walk. 
Chapter 6, have the people sit down. Also in chapter 6, don't be afraid. Or to Peter, come on. In chapter 9, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Faith is an action. When we believe, we respond. When we have faith, we obey. Faith is an action. The act that these men are about to do of moving the stone away would have been forbidden by the religious leadership. It would have been forbidden by religious tradition. They would, have, they would have actually taken on themselves a defilement and they would have been banished from the city for a season. They would have been banished from their families. But Jesus said, remove the stone, and they did. Mar- Martha is worried about the smell. Why? Because he's been four days. He's decaying. Didn't I tell you, he said to her in verse 40, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Look at what he says. Didn't I tell We're back to the main goal. Didn't I tell you if you believed, not that you would see your, 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 your brother come back to life, not that you would see some really fancy show, some really fancy demonstration. Didn't I tell you if you believed, you would see what? The glory of God. Why? Because that's Jesus' main goal. So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always heard me. But I'm, I'm talking out loud for the benefit of the folks around me. I'm, I'm not speaking in a whisper. I'm not just thinking it with you. I'm, I'm talking out loud, not so that they can see how eloquent I am, not so that they can see um, how, 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 how incredible I am, but so they can hear and they can understand who's really doing this, so they can hear and they can understand fully who is about to act, so they can understand where the glory, where the honor, where the power, where the blessing truly goes. They, so that I'm telling this out loud so that everybody around me can look at you and look at you alone. So that there is zero question in their minds and hearts who I am, who you are, what our relationship is, and by whose authority this is going to happen. In verse 42, so that they might believe that you sent me. Jesus is saying uh, his ultimate goal is the glory of God. His ultimate goal is to to restore our relationship with, with God the Father. Everything that Jesus does and says is about God the Father. But in order for that to happen, they have to believe who I am. They have to trust me. So I'm going to say this out loud. So what they're about to see, they understand, comes from you, is happening through me so that they'll believe me so I can point them to you. When anything happens in your and I's lives that is from God, from the power of the Holy Spirit, it is so that you and I can be a conduit and point people back to Him. That, in that alone is the reason we exist, for the glory of God. So then he says in verse 43, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And it's an old preacher thing that the reason he said Lazarus' name is because if he just said, come out, every dead body would have gotten out. Because that's how powerful he is. And the dead man came out hand and foot with linen straps and with his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said, unwrap him and let him go. As the instrumentalists come back up, I love what Josh Redberg writes in his commentary on the passage. He says, we don't know all that Jesus is doing, but we should never doubt his love for us. His desire for us to experience his glory and his call for us to trust him. His love, his glory, and our need for him and our need for faith are often most clear in the darkest times. This miracle was about something bigger, 
than removing their grief. This miracle is about the power of Jesus over death. This was death's warning. It may claim life, but it does not have the final say. Let's say that again. Death may claim life, but it does not have the final say. The ending is almost anticlimactic because it's really just unfair. Death versus the great I am. Death versus the resurrection and the life. To this point, death is usually one. To this point, death is always one. But Jesus called it in verse 4. This sickness will not end in death. At the end of any sermon series, we come to this table to celebrate life's victory over death. What Jesus did on the cross was the ultimate victory over death. And I want to say this as I invite our new deacons and their wives to come and stand over here. And our new elder and his wife to come and stand over here as we prepare to serve the elements. There are many of you in this room who I prayed for very specifically today because I know that I was talking about the victory of life over death and you've, you've lost a loved one. And, and there was probably a part of you that said, why? why? Why did we have to walk through this? And I just, I just want to tell you, I prayed for you very specifically because that's a very real and a very valid question. I prayed for you by name because I want you to know that the physical death of your loved one is not the end of their story. And life, that death does not have the final say. Jesus did. And Jesus does. So as we share the elements and as we conclude this journey through the signs and wonders, we do so in celebration of his victory over death. So as we sing, Paul tells us to prepare our hearts to receive and to remember. So as Jamin leads us, as we continue to worship, we do so as we observe the body, the bread, and the cup, the blood. And we celebrate the victory we have in Christ.